0: Good morning. good morning. Hopefully everybody's having a great day. I apologize for not being here last Sunday, but man, it's a blessing that we have a complete varsity team. I heard something about JV last week, but there's no JV in him, in God. So uh, man, it was good that uh, Tucker and Jeff could take over last Sunday and bring a great word and share and um, what, a, what a blessing it is uh, to have a a varsity team all the way through. So, a couple of announcements this morning. Uh, Creation Truth, put this on your calendar if you weren't here with us during Sunday school class, we talked about this a little bit, but uh, Creation Truth is a uh, a ministry that brings creation uh, and speaks all about creation, takes uh, Genesis uh, chapters 1 through 6, and uh, uh, just uh, really breaks down the biblical view versus world view. And uh, the first time I ever got to listen to them changed the way that I read the word. And um, so, uh, March 7th, 8th, and 9th, put this on your calendar. Uh, please come. Please invite everybody to come that you know uh, this is going to be a, an amazing time. Um, they want to do something with the, with the homeschool kids too, so hopefully that will all get planned out to do a uh, field trip day on uh, one of those days to... to um, bring a, a great study for the homeschool uh, kids, but write it on your calendar, 7th, 8th, and ninth. It, it will be wonderful. Um, there was, we're going to have to host to uh, the speaker. I don't know if we need to, if, if anybody's interested in maybe hosting, um, let us know. Uh, talk to me or Jeff. Or Christy. For, for the three nights. For the three yeah. nights, for hosting the, um, the speaker, Matt Miles, and his wife. Um, so if that's something that you would like to do, uh, talk with us. I guess we didn't talk about that beforehand, but I'll throw it out there now. If anybody would be interested in hosting uh, them uh, for one of those nights or all the nights or whatever, just let us know. Um, and so uh, keep that in mind. Uh, Friday, sweetheart dinner. Uh, it will be good. Uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, Bring a picture, a framed picture of you and your spouse. Uh, We're not gonna do anything with it, but display it. a wedding picture. A wedding picture. A wedding. Well, is it a wedding picture? Wedding picture, thank you. All right, wedding picture. Bring a wedding picture of you and your spouse. And uh, Jeff promised to not poke fun at anybody's picture, so. We'll poke fun of mine. <laughs> somebody may say something about uh, what they always hear. Man, you are young. <laughs> What's that say about me now? <laughs> so next Friday, um, and I think uh, everybody should have tickets. If you don't have tickets and you're Uh, interested in coming I think um, talk with Christy but I think that they might all be taken yeah (laughs) I'm not sure so uh, come next Friday though come next Friday it's gonna be awesome and a wonderful time of fellowship and just uh, um, having a wonderful time here at the church so all right man it's good to be with you guys it is truly a blessing I uh, I forget how good it is, and then when you're gone for a week and you come back, uh, just what a blessing it is. And, and when you are gone, you realize, man, it's uh, it's truly a family. Uh, and I want to thank you guys for that. That uh, you guys do just open up and, uh, and and love. And and if you're you're newer here, um, just stick around afterwards because uh, it's not a big deal for anybody to stick around to four o'clock. <laughs> <clears throat> your kids might get hungry, you might get hungry, but oftentimes there's popcorn in the back <laughs> so um, but it's a blessing and I just want to say um, not every church is like that, and if you've been part of Beecher Island your whole life and this is just what you know you're not normal, <laughs> but you're a good, not normal okay so uh, 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 continue on with that it's awesome and um, As all of you already probably know, and if you don't, uh, Beach Island is is awesome in the way that God has set up Beach Island being an independent, non-denominational Jesus-loving Bible preaching church. And you know what? Every one of us know that we need a Savior. We need a Savior because we fall short of living that righteous life for our Lord. But in that, we have a Savior. Just as I said, and His name is Jesus Christ, and it is a blessing. That we get to call on him and know that we are forgiven. Know that when we when we claim him as our Savior and our Lord, we have true life. And uh, that's that's what we believe at Beecher Island, and it is good. It is good. So we'll get on with God's word. If you will, turn me to John chapter 2. John chapter 2 is where we're gonna be. And while we're getting there, I just want us to remember what John wrote about why he did write the Gospel of John. And why he wrote it is is, uh, chapter 20, verse 31. These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, you'll have life in His name. And when we dig into the book of John, we need to remember that. We need to remember that that is why John wrote this Gospel. So that we will know that He is the Christ. So, we're going to be John chapter 2, verses 12 through 25. 12 through 25 says, After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples. They, there they stayed for a few days. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area. Both sheep and cattle, he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those he sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, What miraculous signs can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple and I will rise it again in three days. The Jews replied, It it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple that he had spoken of wasn't the body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures. And the words that Jesus had spoken. Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs that he was doing and believed in his name, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them. For he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man. For he knew what was in a man. God's Word. Let's go to ahead and prayer. Father God, I thank you for your Word. I thank you that we have the Gospel of John that we have the teachings of you, Jesus, that you have given us. and Lord, I pray that we look at them correctly. That we look at them through your eyes and that we just learn from them and we grow and we, and we seek that intimacy of relationship with you through that. Lord, give us understanding of what John is writing here. Help us to see it in full view. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, when we read this account of Jesus coming into the temple, I, I sometimes have to chuckle just a little bit. Because we have the beginning of Jesus' ministry here. We, we have him uh, at this wedding uh, beforehand, that we talked about two weeks ago, and, and, and he, he changes the water to wine. And then we have Jesus coming to a temple, braiding the whip, and driving people and cattle and oxen out of the temple. And He did it with great authority. But just the drastic change there that we get to see of Jesus. But I think we need to back up a little bit. Back up and set the scene for what's really taking place. They were... Headed to Jerusalem. They were, they were all gathering there for the Passover feast. And the, and the Passover was an annual feast. It was a celebration. It was, it was a great celebration of the deliverance of the Jews from slavery. And when they were in Egypt, and it was a, a celebration of the Passover. When they painted their doorposts with... With blood from the Passover lamb on on top of their door on the sides. And they were saved. And there was a great celebration every year of this. As a Jew, if you were over the age of 12, you were invited. You were going to go and celebrate in this this annual feast. And for Jesus, it would have been tradition for Him to go to this celebration. It was not His first time going. He had been there many times. You know, we talked two weeks ago about a ceremonial cleansing. That Jesus had used the jars of ceremonial cleansing to change water to wine. And we talked about that maybe we could look at that as the uh, the cleaning that Jesus does. The cleaning that His blood does. That wine represents His blood. But in this we get to see another cleansing. We get to see Jesus cleansing the temple when we go to verse 14. It says, And within the temple grounds he found those who were selling oxen, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. And he made a whip of cords and drove them out of the temple area with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who were selling the doves, he said, Take these things away from here. Stop making my father's house a place of business. I'll be the first to say that there are several different sermons that I could preach from that. I've heard all kinds of different sermons on this set of verses that I could preach. But I kept coming back to the fact. I want to bring it to you in a way that John wrote it. He wrote it so that we will know the Christ, the Son of God. And that is the way that I want to preach this to you today. I want us to see Jesus in this. And who He is. You see, this is the first of two accounts of Jesus cleaning the temple. He, he cleanses the temple at the very beginning of his ministry, and John's the only one that gives us that. But we also have Jesus cleansing the temple right before his crucifixion. He does this two times. He cleanses the temple of people who are trying to take advantage of God's temple. You know, uh, when we look at this, I want us to understand again that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And so, when we look at this cleansing of the temple, I think we got to go to Malachi three one, Malachi three one, to tie it all together. So, we will turn over with me to Malachi three one. It's the last book of the Old Testament; it has great prophecy in it. Malachi three one. Malachi three one says this Behold, I'm sending my messenger, and he will clear a way before me. And the Lord, whom you are seeking, will suddenly come to his temple." And the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of Armies. Now we know that the messenger was John the Baptist. We talked about that several times. We broke into this book of John. And we know that that it was tradition for for a, a king to send a messenger ahead of them. And that's what God did with John the Baptist. And he sent the messenger before Jesus. But when we keep on reading, we come to, and the Lord, whom you are seeking, will suddenly come to his temple. Now when this word is used, this word sudden is used, it doesn't mean uh, immediately. But it means unannounced. Or instantaneously. Now we know that this is prophecy that will be completely fulfilled when Jesus comes to take his church home. We know that that, that is the completed, the, the fulfilled prophecy. But can we also look at this? Is that this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry? And that it's telling us that he will come to his temple. Because didn't he show up to the temple? Unannounced. And when we continue to read in in Malachi, it says that Jesus will will cleanse and purify. Isn't that what he did at the temple? Didn't he cleanse and purify the temple? He was was trying to run out what was defiling the temple. He was cleaning his father's house. He was getting rid of the ones that were not using it For God's intended purpose. Jesus came to the temple and made His presence known. He didn't come in lukewarm either. He didn't come in there and say, Guys, will you just please clean up your stuff and, and go ahead and just come on out? No. He came in. It says He braided a whip and He drove them out. He did it with great authority. When He came into that temple, He cleansed it. You know, I've read this and I've heard many, many sermons on it and I've heard people talk about it a lot. And everybody wants to say that Jesus was angry. everybody wants to say that Jesus was angry when He he cleansed the temple and and you know what? It's an emotion that God has given us and and you can be angry sometimes. You know, if somebody's doing something wrong in your house, you can be angry and drive them out and... We all justify being angry. Um, and, if, and if that's the way you view this, that's okay. But I'm just going to let you know right now, after jumping into this this week, um, I may have a little different view. And I'm going to share that with you. And, and if we disagree, it's okay. Let me just ask you this. Are you angry every time you discipline the child are you angry every time your child does something wrong in your house you know I hope that I can say that uh, I'm not ever angry every time one of my children one of my girls messes up I will tell you, I have a long, long ways to go and a lot of work to do. But, uh, but just because Jesus made a whip and drove them out, in my mind, it does not mean that he did it in anger. It doesn't mean that he was, that he was mad and he was just for, forcefully showing his authority. Because nowhere in the Word does it tell us that he was angry or that he was mad. It doesn't say that anywhere. What about when we do discipline our children? Uh, In order to discipline them, do we have to be angry? So in turn, we think that, well, Jesus had to be angry in order to do that. Jesus had to be angry in order to drive them out of there and break a whip and, and show his authority in that way. <clears throat> but you know what? When I think of it like that, it's all wrong. Because, like I said, I got a lot of work to do, but when I was first a father and had to start learning how to discipline my girls, uh, I would let some things go and then it would build up in me and build up in me and pretty soon I was angry and then, <clears throat> then it was time to discipline. And it was completely wrong. And, and, and like I said, i got a long ways to go, but, I, but I've learned that, you know what, we need to step back. We need to make sure that we, that we don't punish them in anger. Let me maybe put it this way. We need to shepherd their hearts. We need to shepherd our children's hearts. But can we look at it? Is that what that's what Jesus was doing? That Jesus was shepherding the hearts of those that were in the temple and all that were around. He was trying to get their hearts right. Trying to get their hearts right. And, and, and that's what I had to learn with my own kids. But it's a heart issue. You See, the difference, though, between me and Jesus is that he was perfect. He was completely yeah. perfect. He didn't have anger issues like I do. He didn't have to be angry to drive anybody out of there, so you know what? I struggle with ones that say that, and if you pick up a commentary, you're probably going to see this, that Jesus braided a whip, but he didn't use it. Jesus braided a whip, but he didn't hit anybody with it. He didn't hit an animal with it. And I really struggle with that. I really struggle with the thought that, well, Jesus didn't... He he took the time to braid the whip, but yet he didn't use it. It was just to show authority. I don't know if I agree with that too much. But you know what? If he did whip somebody, does that mean that he was angry? Does that take us to that, to that point? Because when I read over this this week and just read over it and really tried to dive into it and see what, what it was trying to show. What was John trying to show in this? What was he, he says, I want you to know by my writings that this is the Son of God, that this is the Christ. It gave me a whole different perspective. You see, uh, if we have the mindset that Jesus had to be angry in order to drive them out of there, or that He was angry, let's just go with that Jesus was angry when He drove them out. If Jesus did whip somebody on the back, it would have been a sin. It would have been a sin for Jesus to whip somebody in anger. It would have been a sin for Him to, to, to beat on somebody like that. So we have to say, if Jesus did it in anger, he didn't whip anybody. Because he was perfect. <laughs> he was not like us in any way. In our hearts, and our minds. But what about if Jesus did it out of love? What if Jesus came into that temple fully wanting to pour out his love for all those that were there? talked about correcting our our children's hearts. That's not out of love. Never out of anger. So if Jesus was trying to correct hearts, it would have been out of love. And if Jesus took that whip and whipped somebody across the back out of love, I'm okay with that. I need that once in a while. I need the whip across my back saying, get your heart right. And if Jesus would do it to me, he would do it out of love. Not out of anger. What a picture that draws for me. My whole life, listening to sermon after sermon about Jesus being angry when he did this, because how else could he flip the tables and, and he was mad and it was okay? But if I have Jesus doing that out of love, driving them out, flipping tables, saying, I want your heart right. I want you right for me. I want you right for the Lord, for God. I like that picture. I like it a lot better than Jesus coming in there out of anger. See, the word does say that he drove them out, and I guarantee he did it with a. Because when we keep on reading in verse 16, back to John chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, it says, And to those who were selling the doves, he said, Take these things away from here. Stop making my father's house a place of business. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume you. You see, verse 17 comes from Psalm 69 9. 69 9, and, and what it's saying is in reference to Jesus that. that with great energy, Jesus is going to show what it means to measure up internally and externally being devoted to God. He was going to show them what it means. I love the picture that this draws from me, especially when we, when we tie back to verses 18 and 19 in John 2. 18 and 19 it says, The Jews said to him, What signs do you show us as your authority for doing these things? Jesus answered them, "Destroy this temple, in three days I'll rise it up." Even though the Jews didn't understand it, neither did anybody else standing around there what Jesus was trying to say. He was talking about his own body. He was talking about his own body and the crucifixion that would come in just a few short years, and the resurrection that would follow that crucifixion. He was talking about his own body. He came to the temple and he cleaned it out. And he he referenced his body to the temple. I talked a minute ago about the picture that this draws. That it draws for me what a picture it is. But Jesus talking about his body being in the temple, uh, it, it leads me to 1 Corinthians. When we go to 1 Corinthians 6, or first, let's go to 1 Corinthians 3, 16. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. It says this Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Now we go to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. It says, Or do, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. For you have been bought for a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. These scriptures are talking about all believers. And if you are a believer today, I want you to know that your body's a temple. It is a temple for the Holy Spirit living in you. And I know that all of you already know that, but man, we gotta, we got to look at it and know it. See, but when we tie in what the disciples had remembered, zeal for your house will consume me. Do we live with that kind of zeal? Do we live that way in our life? Do we live with that zeal? That that energy, that, that motivation, that willingness to allow our devotion to God be inwardly and outwardly with the same Zeal that Jesus had to cleanse that temple. Sometimes we got to do a cleansing of our own temple. And, uh, you know, the way I used to look at it is that I need to get angry to drive those things out of my temple. But we don't have to. We can drive those things out of our temple with the same authority that Jesus did out of the love that we have for the temple that God has blessed us with. We don't have to do it And you know what? Each one of us have those things going on in our lives that are taking us from the devotion of our God, the zeal for our God. We have things going on in our life that, that consume our minds, consume our thoughts, consume our activities. And you know what? Jesus says, braid away. That's the way I look at it. He says, braid away. You know, when I look at this situation, I think that these Jews that that were there at the temple that were selling things and and changing money, I'm going to go with this. You can disagree with me, but I'm going to go with this. But I think that they started out doing a good thing. I think it started out that they were just trying to provide uh, sacrificial animals to those that were traveling a long distance. and Because they were, they were traveling to come to, that, to, to the feast. And it probably started out a good thing. Then greed and money and all these different things started filling their hearts. And Jesus knew their hearts. They, he knew that they were defiling the temple. You know what, sometimes in our life we have things that start out good, Right? A thought that starts out good. The activities that we do or, or whatever we do start out good. Then our thoughts change, our minds change, our <coughs> greed, our pride. All these things start coming into play. And you know what? When that happens, we need to break a whip. We need to break a whip and drive them out. Listen to me this morning. If you have anger issues going on in your life, braid a whip. If you have unforgiveness going on in your life, a, a forgiveness that you just won't let go because the pride issue that, that sits in between you and that forgiveness, braid a whip. If you have hatred in your heart, break a whip. Braid a whip and drive it out. If you have thoughts that are not glorifying to God, braid a whip are committing sexual immorality in any way, shape, or form, braid a whip. Braid a whip. If you have anything going on in your life that is driving you away from the relationship that God desires to have with you, braid a whip. Braid a whip and drive it out. And I'm going to tell you right now, don't be afraid to whip it across the back as you drive it out of your life. You see, that's why I think that Jesus did it out of love. And wasn't afraid to whack him across the back as he drove him out of the temple. Saying, I'm going to correct your heart. Because if he can't whack him on the back, neither can I. As I drive it out of my life, you know what? I want to use that whip. Because I don't want it coming back. I need to change my heart in it. And I'm going to drive out anything that is getting in the way of my zeal for my God. Pray to whip, guys, and drive out anything that's stopping you from that devotion. That commitment. You know, Jesus wanted to make sure that His temple was cleansed. It was cleansed. And we need to do the same. We need to make sure that we do the same with our temple. And one last thing here in John 2.19. John 2.19, Jesus answered them. It says, destroy this temple... And in three days I'll rise it up. The Jews then said, it took 46 years for you to build this temple and yet you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said, well, that, he, that he said this, and they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus had spoken. Think about the statement that Jesus makes here. I mean... He had just cleansed the temple of those who had more concern about material things and the money than they did for the Lord. And the Jews did not understand this statement because they too were more focused on the material things... You can see it in the response. It took 46 years to build this temple and you're going to do it in three days. They cannot see how a man can possibly do that in three days. You know, we truly have the advantage here. We have the advantage because we can look at the whole story. We can look at the complete picture. They didn't have that. But we can look at the complete picture and see that Jesus was talking about His own body. That he was a temple. He was a temple in which all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt. Just as these Jews had defiled the temple in Jerusalem, they would put him to death in just a few short years. But I love that John gives us verse 22. Verse 22 So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this. And they believed the scriptures and the word of which Jesus had spoken. These things are written so that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing you'll have life in his name. I'm going to invite the music team up. You know, we often come across truth in scripture. It's difficult for us to understand. There's a lot of that in the word. That we just struggle with, right? But we can learn from the disciples in this that we should treasure the Word of God. That we should treasure the Word of God in our hearts. Even if we don't understand something in it. But someday soon, someday soon the Lord will make it very plain to us. He will make His Word very plain to us and we will have great understanding just as the disciples did. The great news is, though, that we can understand that Jesus came to this earth for you and me. We can understand that while He was on this earth, He showed us many things, one of which was that it's okay to break a whip and drive out of our lives the things that are not of Him. We can also understand that He willingly came to the cross for you and me. He willingly went there. He could have stopped it all, but He didn't. He willingly went to the cross and then His temple was destroyed. His temple was destroyed and He was crucified on that cross. But just as He said, three days later He rose from the grave, proving that He is the Christ, the Son of God. And when we believe that, we have the promise of everlasting life tells us if we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. There's no question about it. Jesus gave us that promise. And He says, when you believe in Me, I will give you that promise. And let me just say, if you have never made that decision for yourself to make Him the Lord of your life, today's the day. Today is the day to do that. All you have to do is confess Him as Lord. We also have the blessing and the the baptism of Jesus. And we have also that that we get to do. We get to be baptized in water when we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And I will just tell you right now, we're going to do maybe two of them next Sunday. And so I just want to tell you that if uh, you're making that decision for yourself to make Jesus your Lord, we're going to have some water in this tank up here. And it'll be a perfect opportunity to step in. And just as Tucker, I think, said last week that it's a brand. We brand our cattle. That's a brand I'm proud of, I tell you. Walk around knowing that Jesus is my Lord. And so if you are accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time today, I want to talk with you. If you've never been baptized and that's something you want to do, I want to talk with you too. So as we stand and sing just here in a minute, come to the back and talk with me. Let's go ahead and prayer, Father God, I just thank you. Thank you, thank you for dying on that cross for us. But I want to just say thank you for showing us the authority that you had, Jesus. Thank you for showing us that sometimes, you know what, the best thing that we can do is braid a whip and drive out the things in our life, and our temple, that are not of you, God. And I pray that if anybody's struggling this morning with with just things in their life, and we all do, if we're honest with ourselves, we all have them that we need to drive out, and I just pray that we seek you, we come to you, and you help us braid that whip to drive those out of our God I thank you for your word and I just pray that we seek you with the zeal that you have Jesus and still have and I thank you for that in Jesus name I pray amen not singleness.